Hey, Chris. What's up? Have you ever had an Assyrian nose ring? Let's pop a top on this. Oh, right in. You didn't even answer. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, wait. You had those in, don't you? Yes, I do. Oh, no. Yes, I do. I won't this time. It's fine. You can just do it that way. Cue the music. There's a war going down. Put your shield and your armor on. There's a war going down. Put your shield and your armor on. Pick up your sword, gather your strength from the only one. Pick up your sword, gather your strength from the holy one. What's up, guys and gals? I'm Carl. I'm Sonny. And I'm Chris. And you're listening to another episode of Digging Deeper, a Bible study series brought to you by Broken Record Ministries. Ronnie said that so much better at the time. better, yeah. You're getting better, though. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Right you want to set the level for us, Chris? Sure. What do you call cows that don't produce milk? I know it. Do you know it? Yeah. Can you ruin it for him? Maybe. Do it. Utter failure. Nah. Milk duds. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping. So here's the, here's the setup to that. You are correct. Cause I said that last week. Uh, I was going to say, I thought I heard this, but that was for him because I was hoping he would be so keen on busting me on one of these. I'd be like, Nope, milk duds. (laughs) Gotcha. That's pretty good. So this week, we're going to start a two-part discussion that I'm calling the Manasseh Connection. But before we drop the needle on that, I want to ask you, Chris, we had our conference this weekend. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to timestamp this again. Uh, he, just train said, he just said, don't timestamp oh, it. We're going to keep this train get, rolling. We're going to get fired. Sorry, son. We're going to get fired. It's all right. No, we'll be okay. <laughs> we'll go out with a bang. All right. <laughs> at, at time of upload, we had our conference a week ago. So, oh, at time of upload. At time of upload. Okay. At time of recording, it was yesterday. Yeah. We're going to double time stamp it. So, at Jeez. time of recording, it was yesterday. At time of upload, it was a week ago. Hope everybody's confused. Yes. We had our Broken Record Ministries conference. Mm-hmm. Without, without diving too deep into the details of everything, what was your takeaway? What did you think of it, Chris? I'm just curious. Oh, I was actually... Uh, that's kind of what I planned on talking about a little bit. Fantastic. But it, but it brings, it brought up something for me, but um, I think the overall theme was, I mean, no, no matter what you've done, you are not beyond God's reach. I heard that so many times now. I mean, the actual theme was broken, not shattered. So that kind of goes hand in hand, you know, with that. But the, what I kept hearing over and over and over again is no matter how far you've strayed or what you've done, you are not beyond God's reach. I'm so sorry. I missed it. (laughs) (laughs) I I needed that. (laughs) Right. I needed to hear that one. Yeah. I'll get to the audio. Yeah. I'll get to the audio for sure. It was was excellent. And Mm -hmm. what's really cool about that is, you know, I get that we had the basic theme. But that's all we really told anybody. Broken, yep. not shattered. That's it. Whatever God lays under your heart, that's the basic theme. And that's where everybody independently took their speeches right. you know, or their segments, whether it was our Digging Deeper or Pastor Cole, Pastor James, mm-hmm. even Mike and Tish. You know, it seems like everybody had that underlying theme that, you know, right. no matter how far you stray away, he can reach further still to draw you back. Or, yeah, or, or no, matter, and, and no matter what you've done, God can repair it. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it was very good. Right. 
very cool too that and like I say, the audio go oh, it'll go up eventually, I, I believe. But James, the keynote speaker at the end, his whole message was framed around Psalm twenty three. Uh-huh. And I checked at the end of it, and it came up as a notification on the Bible app. The verse of the day was Psalm twenty three three that day. Wow, he had. Oh, I mean, he had formed that speech weeks before, right? You know, so the odds of that lining up the way it did just perfectly was so cool. I thought, well, right. that's awesome. Little God wink. Mm-hmm. I love those. Yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast. It's not, this is probably something new to you. Um, but, and th- this theory or this f- formulation of thought is probably not unique to me. I didn't think of this. I just like, I probably wasn't the original that thought that thought this, but so we've talked about, and to save time, I'm going to use what's the word plural nouns, I guess. So instead of brother, sister, siblings, you know what I mean? That's what I'll do. So with within your lifespan, you are three things guaranteed. Almost one is you, you are a child. Whether that's, you know, I mean, you're a child, right? You were born to a mother and father. You can't, can't happen any other way, right? You have a mother and father. Then progressively through your life, you eventually become a spouse, right? Right. Most of the time you do. And then after that, potentially you become a parent, right? And so again, Save time. I'm just, I'm combining instead of saying, because when I first thought of this, it was, oh, I'm a brother. I'm a father. I'm a, you know, so, but then I thought, well, what about the ladies that listen? You know, this <laughs> <laughs> is the one side of everybody. Right. So, but what I think kind of what went a little deeper for me about the conference is I think that that list is incomplete. When I say you are a child, you are a parent. And you are a spouse, but I think, you know, we're also siblings, whether or not, and, and this is also figuratively, mm-hmm. but it's also spiritually, you chat, you're a child of God, right. you're a parent in Christ and right. you are a spouse. You're, you're a, a partner in your religion with your spouse. Right. right. But I think that list has been incomplete because I've always thought I'm like, why am I always thinking about this? Why am I, why is this always coming up? And I think it's because it's always been incomplete for as long as I've been thinking about this because I'm, I've always been kind of a socially anxiety person. I don't want too many people near me too often. Mm-hmm. I'm not, not, I used to be kind of like huggy feely, but as I kind of pushed God away, so to speak, that that went away, right? Pushed other people away. Pushed too. other people away. Pushed relationships away. Um, but I think this conference showed me what being a sibling in Christ is. Being a brother and sister in Christ. I can't tell you, and I and I hate to do this because you missed it. And I'm like, I don't want to be like bragging, but I I can't tell you the amount of love that I saw poured out from one person to another at the end of it, I was hugging people just like randomly, (laughs) like we were coming off stage 
and Mike and Tish were standing there. And like first time I've ever met Mike, hadn't even met his wife. I gave him both hugs. <laughs> she was she was like, oh, okay. You know, it's just like, I don't know. And then I was like, I started walking away. I'm like, that's why I'm socially awkward. I don't even know why I just gave those two hugs. <laughs> but I did, <laughs> you know. So I just started thinking, I'm like, I can kind of, I can kind of identify with what Mike said a little bit, not to the d- degree. Like, I don't want to take anything away from Mike's speech, but I can kind of see where it's hard to feel unconditional love and pour that out in in the terms of God's unconditional love when you haven't really received that before in your life Mm -hmm. from, from a father figure. I can, I can relate to that. So that's what I think. It's just like, I was on the way home and I'm like, that's it. That's, that's the portion that I've been missing is it's not just three, you know, you are a sibling, you have brothers and sisters in Christ and it, you're, you're part of that family, right? So you even can't if just they're not blood related, right? Even yeah. if they're not yeah. blood related, you can't, you can't, you can't, <laughs> I don't know if this is going to be a new one. You can't solo Christ, right? Ooh, that's good. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you can try. Yeah. But yeah. eventually it's going to take you to a place where you're going to have to be with people. It's yeah. not something you can solo. Yeah. I think that's why they brought up, and she brings it up a lot. I think that Ecclesiastes reference of a, 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 a three, a three strand cord is not easily broken. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can apply that to any relationship, whether it's, you know, husband, wife, you know, friend relationship, whatever, you know, you have the two people and then the third strand is God. Right. It's always got to be God the father mm-hmm. holding it together and strengthening, strengthening that bond. But, you know, taking any one element of that out weakens, weakens the, weakens the cord. Right. Right. Cause yeah, isolation is a killer man. It's an mm-hmm. absolute killer. Well, I know all too well. <laughs> I mean, don't be, and I mean, I'm, I'm one of the people that, you know, call me anytime I'm there. If I, if I've met you and I've known you for five minutes, if you call me, three months from now, I need my help. I'm there. That's the kind, I mean, that's the level of friendship that I have. You know what I mean? But it's like, there's a difference between being a really good friend and then being a brother or sister in Christ. Yes. You know what I mean? Like there's a separation there. Like they go hand in hand, right? You, the, the, the morals cross each other there, mm-hmm. but there's a difference between, you know, just being someone's friend, but then also feeding them spiritually. Right. Yeah. Well, and you just kind of know too, yeah. you know what I mean? When you're, when Jesus brings people together in that brotherhood, it just happens. Right. Like, like this, like this. Yeah. That's exactly the example I was going to bring up. Simon, yeah. This, you know, there've, there've been other times where I've, I've thought, you know, maybe they could be on, and it's not just about the podcast, but just using the podcast as an example, because right. this is this is based upon the brotherhood in Christ, right? right. I'm like, you know, maybe I could invite them on. Eh, I don't know. I need to learn a little bit more about them first. Yeah. And then you come in the second time I'd ever met you, and I'm like, hey, up in the podcast, I'm like, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> and now, like, I consider yeah. you a, like a good friend. Yeah. And you yeah. know, <laughs> we haven't been around each other all that much. No. You just, you just know when that bond is there, it, there's no explaining it. No. You know. Right. And. <clears throat> Like with a, a regular friend, you tend to almost kind of, I guess it's 
sometimes you'll be there, sometimes you won't be there, you know, but whenever it comes to having God involved in everything that you do, you're God, if God puts you in it, then he's just like, go, right. Go. Yeah. You know, um, and, oh, I got this to do or, oh, I got that to do. And then that little voice in your head is just like, no, go. Right. And you're like, yeah. Okay, fine. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think I had other plans, but you know, okay. Okay. I'm going. <laughs> I think too, I think there's the, you know, there's a far cry difference from, you know, friends being like, you know, I'll send you good vibes. Like you ever heard that? Yeah. Hey, I'm going for this job interview. Oh, good vibes. Uh-huh. Good vibes, man. I think there's a lot of difference there between that and someone being like, I'm going to pray for you or yeah. a group of your friends praying for you. I think mm-hmm. that sends more your way than just willing, you know, like, cause you can will something that, you know, for somebody, but when you pray for it, I think, you know, you see his his intervention his intervention into it yeah. on, on on another level. And see, I've always had a saying, and <laughs> it's kind of weird. You are a product of your surroundings. Yeah, right. <clears throat> um, it the people that you have around you, the environment that you have around you, um, you know, the places that you choose to go, and. I, I think I shared it on Facebook the other day. Um, the, the, the friends that you keep are an image of who you are. And whenever it comes to, uh, uh, we're talking about when this, uh, the uh, paralyzed guy in the Bible, his friends yeah. lowered him through the roof of a building cut a hole in the roof. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of friends that I want to have around. You know what I mean? Yeah. My friends pray for me. My friends lower me through a roof if need be. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's the kind of people that I want to have around. And <clears throat> I don't know who I was talking to somebody about this. The other, I think it was stone. Um, but yeah, it was, it, I was just like, you're one of those guys, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's one of those dudes. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm really choosy on who I have around me now and used to, I didn't, I wasn't anybody around me. It didn't matter what you were. And, but yet me now, the people that I hold close, I'm kind of picky about them, but now I'll talk to people and there's been times to where I've actually been able to talk about God with people that I wouldn't even ever have around me a day in my life. Right. You know what I mean? But, um, me, I'm kind of, I feed off of people right. and you know, whenever I do that, it's more, I, I gotta be picky about it because I, I feed off of them. And mm-hmm. if they have bad intentions or bad, you know, uh, you know, just stuff that they do in life that are, isn't very good for me or anybody else, then I don't want to have that around me no more. And I think that's just being getting closer to God and, and, uh, you know, I guess maybe getting a little bit older, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. A little bit wiser, a little bit more knowledge. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I believe that with the bottom, you know, to the bottom of my heart, I, I really got to pick and choose who I got to have around me now. Yeah. Well, I think that's, go ahead. Chris. Well, I was going to say it just, it, 
to me, that sounds like the difference between ministry and fellowship, right? Like you said, you'll yeah. talk to anybody yeah. and, and, and minister and, you know, minister to them and, and, and share the gospel with them. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to fellowship with them on a daily basis. Right. Because yeah. you don't do life with them. Right. right. Until, you know, if, Praise God. If they turn their life around and then they're the type of person that you want in your life, then yes, then we, then you carry it on to fellowship, but and it's like a mentor kind of thing. Exactly. And I, like, yeah. I, this is what I see this as <laughs> like, you guys picked me up off the street, <laughs> oh, man. you know what I mean? Lucky and now you. I'm being mentored, you know, that's kind of right here. He's good for that. But me, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, and uh, it, it, it absolutely amazes me because like that, that night I, I wasn't even going to stop by and, you know, and then now I'm sitting here around this little table and stuff and hanging out with you guys. And this is what this is for me. This is my mentoring. This is my seeing you guys, you know, further along in Christ than I am. And, you know, I, I was actually just talking to somebody about it last night and, you know, this is what it's supposed to be. This is what happened. You know, somebody that you surround yourself with people that you want to be like, yes. or you surround right. yourself, you see something in somebody and then you want that. So you surround yourself with them. I mean, as much as possible or, you know, any time that you can. So that's, that that's what this is for me. You guys awesome. picked me up off the street like a little lost puppy dog. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting here now and I'm, you know, I'm getting into the Bible more. I'm, I'm doing the things that I need to do more. Right. And I love it. I, this is, I'm excited about it. Like I, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's awesome. It's a spirit at work, man. Like he'll, sometimes people will be pulled out of your life and you really didn't have anything to do with it. It's just, he, he sort of causes certain people to drift away and drops other people in your life. You know, I've had, I've had friendships that just sort of evaporated with yeah. people that I really cared about. You know, yeah. it's not that I didn't love them, but they went in opposite direction, you know, yeah. ran headlong away from God right. and got more godless as a result naturally and like you said you're a product of your environment we're all guilty of that to a degree you know yeah. it's it's a it's like osmosis mm -hmm. when you have that around you all the time it it makes you more and more unclean you start adopting bad practice you're talking like they talk joking like they joke yep. thinking like they think stop attacking me carl <laughs> i attack in love uh -huh. it's all in love yeah. Yeah. but there's a lot of truth you're, you're a product of your right. environment and he's going to, he's going to purify your environment to make it as conducive to sanctifying you as he can. And that involves bringing the right people into your life and pulling the wrong people out of your life. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. it's sad, but it's. And I mean, that's the thing necessary. you can learn from anybody. Like it, you can learn from the, the, um, the addict walking down the street. He might end up saying one thing to you as you're trying to minister to him. And that ends up bringing something else up. Yeah. And it, sends that light off and you're like, Whoa, I never thought of it that way. So mm -hmm. like it, it, it's kind of like a weird gray area, but mm -hmm. you know, it, whenever it comes down to it, I, I, I really love it that I'm choosy now because used to, I'd, you know, I my past life and stuff. I, you know, I'd go to the bar and I'd go hang out at, you know, really bad places and stuff. And, I didn't care who I had around me and, 
you know, it was, it wasn't a very good atmosphere. And, you know, I was a very sick person mentally and physically and everything else. And, you know, that, that story is for another day, but, uh, yeah, it's now I'm, I'm a completely different person and I'm, like I said, I'm that little lost puppy dog and y'all found me and I'm grateful for it, man. <laughs> We're grateful to have you. Oh yeah, definitely. It is a lot of work and transformation. I think, you know, hearkening back to what you said earlier, Chris, about, you know, it's hard to love when you haven't been loved because mm-hmm. you learn that behavior, right? Yep. And I think that's one of the most important transforming works that the spirit will do in your life is to, to, to help you to unlearn bad behavior and relearn good behavior. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right. Yep. So when you've learned, you know, from, you know, a, a bad parental experience, bad love behavior, he's right. got to... He's got to, he's got to shift that for you. Right. You know what I mean? And that's part of that environmental, that environmental shift too. Cause it's a right. process. Some things he'll just take from you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some vices that, that he'll just take cause he knows it's too much. There are other vices he'll train out of you over time, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and we don't get to pick and choose. He does. He does that. You know, we just have to be willing to walk that process out and accept the tough truths as they come. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you got anything else, Chris? What other takeaways did you have? Do you have any other takeaways from the conference? I mean, or anything that, else that was your, was your week just completely like consumed by, I'm going to have to be on stage. Yeah, pretty much. It's <laughs> fun. It's days fun. of stress. It, yeah. Days of stress. It was, it was, you know, it was an experience and even all the way up until the point where we're getting on stage where I'm like, it's fun. So, you know, cause I was the last person in the door on the side door to go onto the stage. And I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure I could walk out of this door and none of these guys could stop me. <laughs> <laughs> like they're all going to just go on stage. And I'm going to be like, Whoop. <laughs> not me. <laughs> no, I mean, for this, for the small part that we were, that I did end up being on stage, it wasn't bad. I think that's one of those things too, where it's like, and when I say, you know, I don't want people to get the wrong impression that like that my father wasn't a loving man. He was, it was just different. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it wasn't unconditional. Like it was always tethered to something. Right. Mm-hmm. Like my father always loved me. Don't get me wrong, but it was the way that I felt it was always tied to some condition. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So anyways, that aside, it was, you know, getting there and just is and feeling everybody's love for each other. I, I think that, that, that helps soothe the, you know, the, the, the doubt or the worry that I had in my mind, like, like, and then, you know, it, it was a conference, but it wasn't a conference. Cause like Ronnie, Ronnie was in scene. He, he think he keeps things kind of mellow, right? Like, it's not like, this guy's speaking and then this guy's speaking, you know what I mean? Like, right. like not in like business suits or anything. It was just real people. Fun and loose. Right. Yeah. Right. So that helped. And, but yeah, it was up and leading up into that. There wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot on my mind except the conference. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I want to clarify too. It's, it's not necessarily that the parents love bad, you right. know, the way we love is different than the way the, that, than the way the yeah, father exactly. loves. It's yeah. different. Nobody has experienced, nobody's experienced his love perfectly until they've experienced it from him. 
So everybody has a little bit of unlearning to do. So I wasn't, I wasn't. No, yeah, no, I get it. And I just want for the people listening from me that was that know me and know my parents, know my family. I don't want them to be like, this guy's absolutely lying. Like <laughs> he like, I don't want people to think like, like I was some destitute kid with, you know, that was fatherless or anything like that. I'm just, I, I, I just was trying to say that I kind of saw, I, I, slightly related to a story on the stage yeah. and, and and that's where it kind of come from was you know that uh just there's there's the difference between the conditional love and then the unconditional love and so was, well a lot of people love different and right. a lot of people <clears throat> don't show love they they know they know how to receive it sometimes but then they don't know how to show it and then there's people that know how to show it but not receive it yeah, you know, I mean, it just all depends on the person, and, right. and I, I read a pretty, and this is kind of a sidebar to that. It, it, I read a a pretty interesting book one time, and I can't remember what it was. It was a short book, but it was basically like there's there's like four different kinds of love, and the five love love languages. Yeah, the, the five. I can't remember how many it was, but it's five. Yeah, yeah, and and then so yeah, it was you know there's actionable love people show their love through actions mm -hmm. and i think that's where a lot of it gets the lost is like they're expressing love but the the way that they're expressing love might not be received by the person very well like okay. me and my wife had to learn this like i'm i'm very action oriented in love like and i'm also very like i need to fix it right now but my wife is very much get out of my face. I don't want to talk to you right now. So like, like if we got into an argument, I was like, Hey, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Hey, there's an issue. What's wrong? She's like, I'm going to have an issue. You know what I mean? Like yep. I've learned, give me my space for yeah. a minute. And then you're just like, no, we're going to need to fix this now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, you know, trying to mesh those two together. Uh, I, and that's right. Uh, that, that brought that to mind that, you know, it's, I think people express love, but they express love how they feel loved. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you're, if you feel love through actions, you express love through actions, mm -hmm. but some person might be like, I need more like an emotional love, physical touch, physical or, touch or, or yeah. gifts. Or, uh, yeah. I forgot all of them, but I've, I've read it myself. Yeah. Um, it, it was actually really good. And, um, we're gonna have to look that up. Which book that was. <laughs> That's what it's called, the five yeah, love languages. Oh, the five okay. love languages. Uh, I think it's Joyce Meyer in it. I don't know. I think it's a guy that wrote it. Yeah, I was say it was yeah. a guy that the, the author of mine was a guy. Oh, the okay. one that I. All right. She probably she probably did something along the line yeah. of it. Uh, I was like, we all got computers around our hands. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we can look it up real quick. Um, but yeah, not to not to take up any more of the opening segment. I have other stuff, but I think it's like. You know, we're gonna segment it so I have something to to bring to the table. You afraid he's not gonna give you something each week? Uh, keeping stuff on the either on the that or either that case. yeah either that or I'm just gonna be stubborn enough not to see it. Uh, okay. I, think that, I think that's the issue. <laughs> yeah, that's probably yeah <laughs> much more likely the issue. Yeah. You got anything else you want to share, Sonny? Before we? Uh, no. No, no, I don't think so. All right, well, let's go ahead and take our music break. I think this week we're going to keep that ASAP preach train rolling nice. with a song called Now I Know. As a reminder to those of you listening, if you have original music you would like us to consider featuring on future episodes of Digging Deeper, 
reach out to us. You can find us on Facebook, Broken Record Ministries, or you can email us at brokenrecordministries at gmail.com. And be sure to stay tuned for the other side of the episode also, because that's when we'll do our little study on the bad, then good King Manasseh. Again, what's that look for, Chris? Hmm? He was bad, then good. Yeah. You gave a dirty look. That was dirty. I was like, hmm, that's a good way to put it. Oh, I thought you were questioning me. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, okay. I I might have went with something else. Well, you go ahead. No, I don't want to. No, no, no. You finished. I'm scared. No, I'm scared. No, it's all you. We're going to sit here and wait till you do it. No. I don't know. Good than bad. Bad than good. Oh, okay. (laughs) Again, this is Now I Know by ASAP Preach. Hope you like it. Talk at you in a few. You had something better than you blanked out, didn't you? I did. (laughs) Put you on the spot. I was like, oh. Jesus Christ is the way and I forget my brother killer today. He's to live in the day. Uh, that's how this ministry started. 
of the harvest If from the smallest the larger kingdom use man we hitting the hardest if you fitting the targets That's why I hate the devil Cause I know he hate the Jesus in me He can see it in me And I don't want no reefer in me And I don't want no evil in me No deceit is in me Born again true believer the lead I'm trying to win as many souls as I can But I'm just one man I understand it was all God planned I understand now I'm in God's hand Now I know Again, that was Now I Know by ASAP Preach. As we said, we're going to be talking about King Manasseh, and we're going to be mainly focusing upon Second Chronicles chapter 33. Because he is in the Bible twice, right? Yes. We're going to jump back and forth a little bit. He's also recounted in 2 Kings chapter 21. There's a couple excerpts from there that I want to look at for clarity, but mm-hmm. 2 Chronicles chapter 3 is a more complete uh, accounting. Of his life. Kings yeah. leaves out in a very important detail that we're going to, we're going to be looking at. Very important. Yes. Yeah. But it's funny too, because there's also a couple of, there's a little bit of information in Kings that expands on what's in Chronicles too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's one of the things we're going to, I think you're probably, you're probably thinking of the same thing I am. There's, there's a specific point we're going to have to jump back okay. to highlight something. So yeah. Sorry, Sonny. That's a curveball for you. Yeah, I'm going back and forth. On... <laughs> it's nothing major. There's well, only like yeah. three or four verses we'll look at. Well, I actually brought my Bible today, and then I got my Bible app on my phone. So. Yeah, you <laughs> make everybody happy. I'm right? trying to go back and forth here. Chris only half judges you, <laughs> since you're half right. Yeah. Hey, I use my, I use my iPhone, or not my iPhone, my phone Bible during the conference. I noticed that when you were in front of other people. <laughs> then you well, use a digital Bible and well, it's okay. It was, the, it was the thing that where I didn't want to be carrying around my Bible all conference. Yeah, that's why I did. So, I had my Bible there, yeah. but I used the phone. Yeah, mine was in my car, but yeah, I used it. I used my phone. The main reason, you know, we're going on the weeds. The main reason I used my phone is that's where all my highlights were. I didn't oh, want to lose my place. Yeah. I didn't want to just do random highlights of my Bible. I don't. I don't highlight unless I have something to actually have it color coded. And <laughs> I do. I do. I'm OCD about it. Yeah. I really, am. like you can look at. I'll show you later. There's yeah. pages where I've got it all like rainbow color coded, so it's like color coded to the notes. Uh huh. 
good stuff. Nice. It's a gold mine in here. Not really. <laughs> I'm not that arrogant. <laughs> Guys, so you both read, I know Chris, you've read the account a couple of times and I know you said you read it. Before we dive in, without giving away the plot or your final thoughts, do you have any, what are your thoughts? Like, what are your opinions on the, on the text, on the account of Manasseh? Do you have any feelings about it you'd like to share before we dig in? Mm. Without giving away anything? Uh, I am just going just to share say, your fifis. Yeah. So share them out. So the high level it starts out. So this kind of goes into 33 and then turns around and, um, goes towards the end, which in a part that we might not get into, but it's pretty much, you know, Manasseh and his son mm-hmm. and the dealings with, I feel like at this point in time, Kings didn't have a really good, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Track record of passing on good traits to their son. Manasseh came, you know, right off of, it was, I, I'm going to Hezekiah, right? Yeah. Hezekiah. Hezekiah. That, thank you. I had to look, I'm like, I know this name. So, which was a very benevolent king, very good king. Mm-hmm. The, one of the, the best, it says. Yeah. One of the best for the people. And then his son comes in at 12 years old and just goes like 160, right? Mm. So then, you know, again, high level. Manasseh turns things around at the end, comes good. But then his son comes in at 20-something, was it? 24? At a very young 22 years Amen old. Amen was 22. So, oh, yeah. So he comes in. Josiah, yeah. his grandson was eight. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So, he, yeah, he comes in at 22. And then, so his father's rebuilt everything up to where his, his father had had it. And then he just comes in and. Again. <laughs> again, mm-hmm. goes. It's like. Seems like it's a reoccurrence. Yeah. Like, yeah. May, like maybe history should show that you should probably take some time to sire your kids a little bit more. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, well, You're not like, too busy to raise your children, right? Yeah, right. yeah, right. So, yeah, that's actually a point that we were going to. So, let's actually let's read the first couple of verses, and then we'll talk about that a little bit more because I think that is important, actually. So, starting in verse one, two Chronicles chapter thirty-three, Manasseh was twelve years old when he became king, and he reigned fifty-five years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord dispossessed before the sons of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down. He also erected altars for the Baals and made Asherim and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. So I'm going to stop. So he reinstituted idolatry. And what you're talking about with Hezekiah, Hezekiah, we're told, we're not going to talk about him too much right now. But he was incredible. It says mm-hmm. that he was one of the most righteous kings like, like David, you know what I mean, that Judah ever had. Israel, the northern kingdom, didn't have any good kings, but... For Judah, they had a handful. Hezekiah was one of the best, like to the point where where God was listening him to to him to the degree that at one point Isaiah the prophet was sent to Hezekiah to tell him that he was sick and he was going to die to get his affairs in order. Right. And Hezekiah cries out, cries. He lays on his bed, cries out, asks God to give him more time. And before Isaiah even had time to to exit the palace courtyard, the Most High tells Isaiah, "Turn around, go tell Hezekiah, I'm going to give him 15 more years." Mm-hmm. What's really fascinating wow. about that is we're told that Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. So when was Manasseh born? 
During that time that he was given? During the extra time period that Hezekiah was given. Hezekiah was supposed to die. When he cried out, he was given 15 more years, and it was during that space of time that Manasseh was born. So Manasseh never would have been born had it not been for that, which I find pretty fascinating. Yeah. But then you have Manasseh turn around, you know, the son of one of the most, if not the most righteous king. I, I would say it's between Hezekiah and Josiah, mm-hmm. Manasseh's grandson, as two of, the, two of the greatest. And he becomes the most wicked king in the, the first half of his reign that Judah ever had. We're told that yeah. later in the text, like I say, I know I'm kind of, I'm kind of just summarizing certain things, right. but later in the text, we find out that when Judah went into captivity, the most high points back to the sins of Manasseh as the reason why he singles Manasseh's sin out as the reason why he sends him into captivity. So Manasseh brought some pretty vile things in. He was one of the worst. Hmm. So it makes you wonder what kind of relationship did these Kings have with their children? Was, was, was Hezekiah pushing Manasseh too much? Mm-hmm. you know, to the point where Manasseh went into rebellion or did he just not have a relationship with him at all? Uh, and see, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, maybe, maybe they didn't have a relationship with him at all. And like their servants or whoever, you know, mm-hmm. was taking care of them and they had different beliefs and different, you know, yeah. idol trees and everything else. And I mean, if you have somebody that doesn't have the same uh, but it says that he had the idol trees and the the worshiping, you know, uh, what was it? The, the Baals, the yeah, dream. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if the king is worshiping these things, then, I mean, I'm sure the whole, there there might have been a few, you know, uh, worshiping God and, and everything like that. But that if you're having other people raise your children, how are you supposed to know? Yeah. You know, how are right. you supposed to have a hand in that? Well, that is one thing to keep in mind because though Hezekiah was righteous and we're told in his account that he tears down the idols, Hezekiah can't tear down the idols in people's hearts. He right. can't control what people believe. So there, right. that, there may be a lot of truth in that, that the people in the palace, maybe they didn't share Hezekiah's love of the most high. Right. You know, maybe yeah. Manasseh was learning, learning some pretty bad things. He had to have learned it from somewhere. Right. Right. I also, I can't help but feel a little bit like maybe there's some resentment toward Hezekiah because it specifies that Manasseh goes out of his way to take the the idols that, the altars, the idol altars that Hezekiah had torn down and specifically, it specifically rebuilds those. Rebuilt them, yeah. It almost feels like it was a dig at his dead father. Right. It's mm-hmm. almost what it feels like. I know I'm reading into the text. It's very eisegetical. Like we can't know, right. but I can't help but wonder. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of agree. Like, I feel like, you know, if you look at the timeline, you know, he was only given 15 more years. Mm-hmm. And while he had enough spare time to sire another child, he was probably pretty focused on, you know, securing the nation for the transition. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like if I'm, if I'm term, if I know I'm terminally ill, which, you know, I, we feel like it's, we get a sense that Hezekiah knows like, okay, you've, you've got this amount more years, you know, he knows when his end date is and it's at this point he's preparing for it. Mm-hmm. So that's, and it also too, it also, it also notes a little bit before again, context is King, right? Yeah. Like that, even though Hezekiah was a great King, he wasn't perfect. Correct. He was yeah. still a human being and, and, yeah. and, prone to maybe not like you said taking care of his children like he should and 
letting somebody else do that. So, yeah, we know he loved the most high, right? Maybe he didn't love his children, right? Right. Yeah. You know, we don't know what the, the house life was like. And I don't, like I say, I don't know what the, the home situation was like for royalty like that anyway. Right. I don't yeah. know they had much, I don't know that they had much to do with their own children. Right. Right. So something to think about. I also, also before we, before we get too far ahead, um, I, I noticed when I, when I read this again in preparation for this, that it mentions high places twice. Mm-hmm. Once that he, that Manasseh went to the high places and rebuilt the altars. But then later on it mentions, and we, we'll get to that, but <sighs> correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I kind of did some research on it, but that was a, a pagan belief was that you wanted to go to the highest place you could possibly get because you were closer to the gods. Mm-hmm. Like that was, and that's why he went to the high places. Like you think, Oh, you know that like you would think a temple to God would be built in a high place. But to me, it's like the temples of God were built where he was, where he told people to build them. Right. These people went to just the highest places they could get. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of important later, later on. And we'll come to that, but, but that's why in the high places they, they went to, to make their offerings and their sacrifices to their pagan gods. Right. Almost like a picture of pride. That's why you see the ziggurats. Right. It's like a, it's like mm-hmm. a picture of ascending to heaven. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're ascending you're ascending to the most high somehow. Right. So yeah, I think, I think you can, you can extrapolate that that's a picture of pride mm-hmm. and high mindedness. Right. Uh, my highlight before we move on, the reason I think it's important to, to mention Hezekiah, his father is that Manasseh knew better. Yep. You know, r- regardless of, of why Manasseh went off the rails, he did know better. He, he knew who the most high was. He had to have given, given Hezekiah's reign he knew what the most high expected and he still chose to do that 180 and run in the opposite direction. Right. So as we move forward, it is important to to note that Manasseh wasn't somebody who had never heard of Yahweh, who had never heard of the law, who didn't understand how to how to properly worship, who didn't know that idolatry was wrong. He was. He knew that. He was he was a backslider. Right. And that is important to note. Okay, starting again in verse four. He built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, my name shall be in Jerusalem forever. So he, he puts an idol in the temple, is what yeah. it's telling us here. For he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Now we get into the real vile stuff. He made his sons pass through the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, and he practiced witchcraft, used divination, practiced sorcery, and dealt with mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Before we discuss that, this is the first part where I'm going to back up to Second Kings and read one verse real quick because it it. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm a, mm, preacher, brother. <laughs> sorry. It expands on something important about his sin. So, in Second Kings chapter twenty-one, verse sixteen, it says, "Moreover." Manasseh shed very much innocent blood until he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another, besides his sin with which he made Judah sin in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So it wasn't just his sons he killed. 
we're told that he was so murderous that he poetically filled the streets of Jerusalem with blood. Like these are no minor offenses we're talking about here. So, and I will say before, before we discuss this, just for those of you listening, I'm not afraid of sharing tough truth here. I'm not afraid of saying things that, that might be difficult to swallow. Right. Just as a, just as a caution moving forward, I'm not here to tickle ears. I will do my best to follow the, the unifying theory of two plus two and just give you the information and allow you to come to the proper sum, but I'm not going to shy away from the truth. So that said, do you guys have any thoughts on the sin of Manasseh specifically? Because I think this is the first stage. There's, there's three important stages of the Manasseh story. And the first is the extremity of his sin. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. no, I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to, to, I mean, it's, I think it's an escalation here. So we, we start with, we start with just idols and mm-hmm. re, and replacing idols, which is bad, but yeah. Okay. Well, then we're like, okay, well that didn't make God mad enough. Let's take this one step further. Let's do some witchcraft and wizardry and dark magic, and let's get into stuff I shouldn't be getting into. Yeah. Okay, well, that's pretty bad too. I'm not. I'm not saying it's not bad, but then it's like, hmm. I just feel like I'm not sinning enough. Where can I take this from here? Child sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That's. I feel like you see that many times where your sins might start off small, but you got to get them out the door. Elsewise they'll progress just like we, we as a nation have gotten to the point where we know lo- <laughs> I'm going to stop myself there. I'm getting on a soapbox, but <laughs> you can't, you got to turn away from it. Elsewise it'll, it'll progress. Yeah. Your sin will get progressively worse if you don't turn away from it. That's what I'm, that's all I'm going to put down. First sin okay. separates from God and then sin escalates right. every time until you lay it down, confess it and give it over and turn away from it. It will separate then escalate. Right. It, it never just plateaus. Sin always compounds mm-hmm. always. I didn't really understand what the, <clears throat> the Valley of the sun, of the son of Hinnom. Is it Hinnom? Or? Yeah, it's, okay, yeah. So the, the, the Valley of Ben-Anom. In Hebrew, it's Ben-Anom, or son of Hinnom. Yeah, that's, Ben means son in Hebrew. It's the place where they would, they would do child sacrifice to false gods like Moloch. Right. When they, when they brought that sin into Judah. This is a sin they were already perpetrating in the northern kingdom under Ahab and Jezebel. Manasseh brought that sin to Judah, and where they specifically perpetrated this sin was in a place called the Valley of Ben-Hinnom outside of Jerusalem. So it was actually turned into a, a garbage heap afterward oh, to wow. defile it. Like, it, it's considered defiled forever. Interestingly enough, in prophecy, we're told that when, when Jesus returns, that's where he'll pile up the bodies of, of those who actually go out to wage war against him. 
Oh wow! And when when and what? That's a it's a it's a rabbit trail. It's something right. that we can look into another time. Zechariah chapter fourteen and Revelation. Uh, I can't remember the chapter, but Zechariah fourteen is a really interesting one. But when the people are required to go to Jerusalem every year in the Messianic Kingdom to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, mm-hmm. they have to walk by that valley and see the consequences for the people that chose to rebel oh, outwardly wow. and fight against him. It's almost like a, a a punishment upon the valley itself. But this is where they perpetrated that sin at. And it's, it's very literal. When it says that he caused his sons to pass through the fire, that's what they would do. Now, there's scholarly debate on whether they killed the children first and then burned their bodies or if they burned them alive. It probably happened both ways at different points. Uh, but mm-hmm. either way, it was child sacrifice. They were, they were taking children, killing them, and sacrificing them in fire to their false gods. It's vile. And obviously, the Most High absolutely loathed it. There's, there's, right. there's no sin that he gets more emotional about because you see the emotion from the most high over that sin he gets right. furious about it he says at one point in the prophets you know this is a this is a thing child sacrifice is something that never even entered my mind he says never even entered my mind to command you to do such a thing what were you thinking is essentially what he tells the people he's so furious about it and that's what manasseh brought in you know when his sin got to the to the apex yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean the highest peak of just of awfulness that's what he was doing with sacrificing his own children in fire. I was going to say, it's one thing that you're sacrificing children alone, but when it, when it's your own son, right? like he didn't save his own children from it. He threw his own children in. Mm-hmm. So, And it's important to note here as well, and this will be important as we move forward through the account, every single sin, and we're going to next week in part two, we're going to make a connection with these sins that it lists out here, a very important connection for us and applying this now, but every sin it lists out here, obviously child sacrifice, but also witchcraft, divination, sorcery, uh, consulting with mediums and spiritists, that's essentially trying to talk with demons, right? Mm-hmm. Demons masquerading as dead people is essentially what that is. So it's, it's, it's seeking after demonic power is, is what this is describing. All of these sins are punishable by death in the law. It's required. According to the law of the Most High, if you engage in these sins, you have to be executed. Oh, that's wow. really important moving forward. It's also important to note, and this is where my little caveat before comes in, we're two days away from a holiday that glorifies every single sin here that we're told that Manasseh committed, and the Most High calls it an abomination and says he absolutely hates it. And I'm, I'm telling you, Jesus didn't come so that we could polish up the things that the Most High says he hates and keep it as an idol in our heart and elevate it and, and push it off on our kids and, and say it's fun and games. Because clearly, as far as the Most High is concerned, it's not fun and games. Right. He doesn't find it funny and he, he doesn't like it. You know what I mean? And if we have a heart for the Father to love him, we would shun things that he says he hates. You know what I mean? And every single one of these things that are listed here, yeah. we, we glorify. You can drive through town right now and see the, yeah. the decorations set up and it's just it's super dark. Yeah. And super disturbing. And I say this as somebody who used to love it. So yeah. don't don't take this as judgment. It's not. Man, when I was younger, Chris knows, yeah. I was the guy that every time this time of year rolled around, I was in Spencer's looking at all the masks. Yep. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. trying to try and put money together to, to in the, I didn't care how vile it was. Right. The more vile, the cooler it was. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? I, I celebrated this stuff. I did all the decoration, the, the haunted house stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't coming from a place of judgment. Uh, you know, you know, horror movies and video games, one of oh, my yeah. favorite genres. Yeah. Yep. But I also know what, when you open that door 
I know what can step in. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, they've never experienced something. Step in. Sorry. No, I heard something like a, did you guys hear that feedback? It was my, I was moving my head. Was it like a a high pitched? I didn't hear a high pitch. I I got like a high pitched feedback on mine. That was weird. Sorry. I thought you were hearing my, no, my cord. (laughs) No, that was weird. Oh no, I'm getting in trouble. (laughs) No, on my headset, I thought I heard a squeal. I'm happy that, that most people haven't experienced something stepping in that door. I have. And you don't want it. You need to slam that door shut. And I mean, right now, I mean, right now, don't even invite it in. You don't want it in. So that's my, (laughs) that's my disclaimer on that verse. You guys got anything that you want to add before we move on? No, No, I'll just leave it. Verse seven. Then he put the carved image of the idol, which he had made in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon, his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen from all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And I will not again remove the foot of Israel from the land which I have appointed for your fathers. If only they will observe to do all that I have commanded them according to all the law, the statutes, and the ordinances given through Moses. Thus Manasseh misled Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the sons of Israel. Stop there. And that's where I think the sin, like gets even worse. It's, it's not enough that he committed all these sins himself. It says that he intentionally deceived the people to do the same. Mm-hmm. So he led them into the same sins that he was committing. And he carried the name of God falsely. Well, see, this, uh, in my Bible, it says seduced. Yeah. And that's like misled that's a, that's is one a, thing. That's a very, seduced, yeah, like, that's a very good way to put it. In like, I, <clears throat> misled, I think of as like, they follow just your actions and what you do, but to actually try to seduce somebody to do wrong, yeah, to do these things that it's a whole different level. It is. You know, he yeah he he made it he made it appealing to them, right, to do wicked things yeah. like a manipulation. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Verse ten. The Lord spoke well, to me. Go ahead. Hold on. I will say too that I I find the ending of verse nine very interesting that he did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. Yeah, so the Canaanites. Yeah, so he led the people to be worse than the people that God destroyed Mm -hmm. before they were there. The, The people that he destroyed to make way for his people, these are these people are now Manasseh led them to a level that they were worse off than the people that he destroyed. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's an important highlight because yeah. not only did he know better, not only was he backslidden, not only is he ignoring the warnings, but he became so evil. He was worse than the ones that, that, that God had expelled from the promised land before, before the people of Judah or the people of Israel entered in. And not to go into later on but he was still saved yeah yeah he still changed yeah yeah yep <sighs> yeah that was uh, yeah, yeah that was kind of yeah. incredibly powerful stuff uh, yep. it really is there is nothing that is so broken that he can't repair it yeah verse 10 the lord spoke to manasseh and his people but they paid no attention 
this is the last point where I'm going to go back to Second Kings chapter 21. Because it gives us exactly what the Most High said when he sent his prophets. It tells us what he told them through the prophets. And it's... I'm just going to read from... 2 Kings 21, verses 10 through 15 is what I'm going to read. And it says this. Now the Lord spoke through his servants, the prophets, saying, Because Manasseh, king of Judah, has done these abominations, having done wickedly more than all the Amorites did who were before him, and he has also made Judah sin with his idols. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such calamity on Jerusalem and Judah that whoever hears of it, both his ears will tingle. I will stretch over Jerusalem the line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab, and I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. I will abandon the remnant of my inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies, and they will become as plunder and spoil to all their enemies, because they have done evil in my sight and have been provoking me to anger since the day their fathers came from Egypt, even to this day. So that's the specific warning that Manasseh received from the prophets. And he still didn't repent. He still went headlong against the Most High. You don't get, as far as, you know, warning language goes, you don't get much stronger than that. No. And see, last night I was sitting there wondering, I was just like, well, how did the Lord speak to Manasseh? Mm-hmm. And I was, I didn't very go, I, sternly. I, <laughs> like, you know, did he speak through somebody else? Did he speak through, you know, I like how did he speak to him? You know, and then that answered that. So yeah. I was, I should have just did this study in Second Kings. <laughs> well, to be fair, I didn't give you that. So that's, that's my, that's, that's my I, fault. That's what I said. Here's a curveball for uh-huh. you. I, on the other hand, we've went through Manasseh a couple times now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I say go through this. I say go through the story of Manasseh a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 11. Therefore, the Lord brought the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria against them. And they captured Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze chains and took him to Babylon. Why don't you want to explain what that means? I know you've both done the research on it. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I can, if you want me to go for it. All right. So, I mean, there's three different variations that we that we talked about. Was One was just a straight-up bull ring through the nose, through the cartilage and between your nose, and that's what they hooked the chain to, and that's what they pulled you around by. You know, and then the second one And we're not was, talking about, like, the, the rings that people have nowadays. No, yeah. no, we're, straight up like a, yeah. We're talking big, fat ring going through your the inside of your nose. Yeah. Possibly even through your whole nose, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean through your nostrils and everything. Yeah, that's a whole different deal. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> bad. And then I've then I've seen places where people believed and and we talked about this too. Like they did all three of these, mm-hmm. but and there's no really one way. At least I think there's really no one way to tell exactly what happened to Manasseh other than one of these three things did and none, none of them are good. No. The other was, was basically a giant hook was inserted into your nose through and rounded through your sinuses 
out the back of your throat. And then that's what you were bound with. And then the third is like straight up fish hook, either through your side of your mouth, through your cheek or down through your jaw, which mostly it was for security's sake, which sounds really like, how are you going to run from that? But Mm -hmm. for security's sake, so they wouldn't just be ripped out of the cheek. It was through the jawbone and out the bottom of the jaw. So it was shackled to something in your skull. And so basically you'd have to rip your whole jaw off. Yeah. Yeah. There was no, and then, but then also the element of if it's through your cheek, you could still, you could still eat right properly. Yeah. Whereas you would die slowly if it was through your sinus cavity or through the bottom of your jaw because you wouldn't be able to eat properly. Right. So, or you'd have to suffer a lot of pain to eat. So, and I don't think they really cared back then. No, no, the Assyrians didn't. No, not at all. Yeah. They know they held no, and we talked about this in the conference. They held no provision for royalty. A lot of times royalty in this time, if it was taken capture during an army raid or during a war, they even There's, got treated worse, didn't they? Yeah, the the yeah, they made no exception for royalty. In fact, it was it, you were you were placed on like a trophy, like yeah. it was almost yeah. like they like made an example of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty bad stuff. My important takeaway here is that after what we read from Second Kings, the warning that the Most High gave, this is that judgment applied. Yep. So we've talked before about how grace is the space of time between judgment declared and judgment applied. Mm-hmm. Him warning through the prophets is judgment declared. This happening is judgment applied. So this place is Manasseh on the other side of that, of what Tony, Dr. Tony Evans would call that space of time where you're under grace. This yep. places him on the other side of that. So he's sinned so grievously that he's filled Jerusalem with blood. Mm-hmm. He's sinned so bad that the Most High says, you're worse than even the people I destroyed before you. He's so separated from him and he's, he's ignored the warnings of the most high. Somebody who knew better multiple times here, knew better, knew, knew better from his father and also knew better from the prophets, ignored all the warnings and then waited until the judgment was applied and finds himself on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. And then we still read this in verse 12. When he was in distress, Manasseh entreated the Lord, his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his father's. When he prayed to him, he was moved, God was moved by Manasseh's entreaty and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Even after all of that, he's on the other side of grace, right? As Tony Evans would define it. And I think that definition is a good definition, by the way. He's on the other side of that. He's on the other side of, of his horrifyingly evil sins that made him the worst king that Judah ever had. And the most high still, when he entreats him and humbles himself and confesses his sins, still chooses to reach on the other side of judgment declared and pull Manasseh back again. Yep. If Manasseh is not too far away to be reached and rescued by the most high, nobody is. Nobody. Nobody. You can't make an argument that anybody falls outside of his ability to bring them back again if Manasseh wasn't. Yep. That's pretty awesome. Also, the word entreated there, it's defined different ways. It's really interesting. It's I was actually 
I was wanting to know. I was yeah. going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than just asking. It's more than just, hey, can you get me out of this, God? I'm sorry I sinned. It's, it's a Hebrew word, kala, and it, it means to implore, but it means to be grieved to the point of making yourself sick. Like you, you feel, you feel it so much that you almost make yourself ill with it. So it's not just asking, it's a deep-seated, genuine emotional feeling. When Manasseh reached out to the Most High, it was genuine. That's what we're being told here. Yeah. He, he greatly humbled himself, he confessed his sins, and he meant it. He was genuine. He reached a point where he genuinely saw how evil his sins were and truly from his heart regretted it and begged the Most High to have mercy on him for it. Mm -hmm. And that is what the Most High responded to, that genuine plea. Yep. It wasn't just a, man, Lord, this sucks. Can you <laughs> yep. help me out? <laughs> right. No, it was, I, 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 some portion of me wants to feel like as he's being led through the Syrian nation, that he's seeing all of the stuff that was that he did right. to his people, and maybe is seeing the other side of it now. Like, like I imagine, like he did all this evil stuff, but then oh, I'm going back into my palace, and you know, that's that. You know, mm -hmm. I, I I would assume that there would be some kind of like despair in the streets. People murdering people, theft, rape, pillaging, yep. brothers turning on their brothers, family members killing each other. And I feel like maybe there's a whole nother level that he saw. I'm, again, I can't say this is what happened, but I'm just saying like, if you're being led through that, through the streets, I think you feel like you would see a different level of that sin than you would if you were. Of royalty mm -hmm. right and i mean i kind of think that possibly he might have felt what some of the people had went through like he actually felt what those people that were sacrificed or they were killed or murdered or like he felt what they felt right and you know to be on that other side of it it was it was humbling you know and then I mean, whenever you get down to your rock bottom, where do you go? Yeah, you know? the rock. Right. Where do you go? Um, you know, it, it comes that I see him being, and see, I wanted to know that entreaty. I, I was wanting to know from you because I, I know you know the the Greek and the Hebrew and the all the old stuff. And so I you was, would just I, like you had planned on asking me about that word yes. specifically. That's the only thing that I felt moved last night to take a note on on this. Yeah, the only note that I wrote down on this entire account was that specific word. It, that was one thing that I didn't look up because I did I I didn't know if it was going to tell me the the Greek or the Hebrew or the the old languages, and I was just like, no, nah, I need to ask Carl that. That is awesome, man. Cause I'm serious. Like last <laughs> night, late last night, I'm like, you know, I need to, I need to, I need to evaluate some things. Because that was the only thing that I really evaluated. And you can see it's the only note I took. I didn't study until like 1030. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, that's my fault because I didn't give you guys what we were actually going to do until pretty late yesterday. So, yeah. but, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So like I, I see him being led through this with his hook in his face or whatever is going on. And, and 
you know, he's seeing these people and if it's me, if I see somebody that had done wrong and done all these things, like I, I see, I feel what passion, you know, right. uh, empathy. Like I, I'm like, I feel sorry for you mm -hmm. for the things that you have done. I feel sorry for the people that you have hurt the, the torture, the everything that you have done. If you meet somebody and you meet somebody that's evil, you can feel that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can feel that. And I mean, I can, I, right. I don't, I don't know if you guys can, but I, yeah. Somebody that's just wicked. I mean, I whoa, hold on, you know, stay away from that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I see him seeing that as, as of those people seeing him in a different and then he, that's changing. That's his rock bottom being drugged through the city. Yeah. You know, this may have been the first time Manasseh felt anything for a long time. Right. right. Anything genuine. And I think honestly, it ties in perfectly with what we were talking about on the top half of the episode with environment, the importance mm -hmm. of your environment. Because I, I, I suspect that when he was in the palace in Jerusalem, he was surrounded by other evil individuals and pagans like him. And no matter how many prophets the Most High sent, as soon as they walked out the door, he was listening right. to what they were saying, that chatter. Yeah. And he was ignoring what the prophet said. It wasn't until God isolated him in an Assyrian prison cell Ooh. that he was able to listen. Yeah. God took the other voices away. He took away the distractions. So the only voice he had was himself and the Most High. Those were the only two voices he had. And, and that's when he finally reached out with genuineness of heart. Right. And I think too, like at this point, you know, God has left him. He's turned him over. I mean, he still hears him, but he's not talking to him at this point. So yeah. I agree with you. He's only got two voices, but like, it's almost like there's no one on the other end. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where I feel like, like the, you bringing up the word, and the meaning of you're in such distress that you feel it. I feel like at this point, he's at the point where I don't want this anymore. Yeah. Either save me from it or end it like that. I feel like that's his, like that's his plea here. God, I don't want this anymore. Save me or end it. I think this is why I identify with Manasseh more than I care to admit sometimes, because that's where I was. I'll be honest. Yeah. I did a good show on the outside, but on the inside, just ugliness wasn't good. And I didn't feel anything. I've told you this mm -hmm. before, Chris, I didn't feel anything other than hate, you know, nothing good, no love. Yeah. I didn't have any of that. And I, you know, I reached that rock bottom, that rock bottom point where that's where, that's what my prayer was. Just let it end. Yep. One way or the other, let it in. I don't even care how anymore. And he reached down at some point and just flipped the switch and I could feel again. You know what I mean? It was a process. I mean, wrong, a very difficult process mm -hmm. as clearly was with Manasseh here. It wasn't like an instant. Everything's great and grand. Right. I'm sure there was a, there was a long learning curve here for Manasseh, but God was there. You know, and this is like you said, he was forsaken. That was the, that was the promise that he gave the prophets you don't listen, you're going to be forsaken. Mm -hmm. When he was taken captive, that was the being forsaken. And this proves that you can turn around from that. Mm -hmm. 
and God can reach back down again. Even when he leaves, you know, leaves you, air quotes, right. you know, like he always hears, he always sees, but he chooses to back up. Yep. And this is the point where he chose to back up completely away from Manasseh. And as soon as Manasseh cried out with, again, genuineness of heart, he reached back down again. He bent low to where Manasseh was and lifted him back up. Didn't have to. And he didn't have a chance to truly repent. The only thing Manasseh had a chance to do in the prison cell was say, I'm sorry. Right. There was no action he could take to prove mm-hmm. he was repenting, right? He couldn't do works yeah. to prove it out. All he could do was just say, this is my heart and I don't know what to do. Right. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I, I want to take you saying that it was a process. and I'm going to put a pin in that until we go down to the next couple of verses because I want to come back to that. Okay. Let's go ahead and read that and then we'll back up. So verse 14. Now, after this, he built the outer wall of the city of David on the west side of Gihon in the valley, even to the entrance of the fish gate, and he encircled the Ophel with it and made it very high. Then he put army commanders in all the fortified cities of Judah. This is the important part, I think, in verse 15. He also removed the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord, as well as all the altars which he had built on the mountain of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem, and he threw them outside the city. He set up the altar of the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings on it, and he ordered Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. That's where I'm going to stop. You want to share your thoughts, Chris? Do you have? Yeah, so I feel like, you know, this is this is the process. Like, God heard his cry, took him out of took him out of Assyria, put him back in Jerusalem. And at that point, Manasseh, it says he knew he was Lord. Okay. But I feel like, again, this is a crossroads where it could have gone one of two ways. He could have came back and just kept doing what he was doing. Been like, well, if I'll save once, I'll get saved again. No big deal. Thanks God. And then went right back to it. And then probably ended up right back in the hint into the, the hands of the arm Syrians, I can't want to say armor rights <laughs> or he could, he did, or he could do what he did here and do start service, mm-hmm. start doing the things that he could do to reverse what he had done to, to, to basically heal his soul and heal his people. Right. right? I feel like, like knowing you, that's been the process, right? You say it, it's it was long. I feel like he he saved you, but then you took that and said, "Okay, he's heard me, and now I'm going to turn around and do what I can in service to him." That's like that's the process, right? To me, I'm not saying I don't want to put words in your mouth, right, and tell you your own life story, but like that to me is the is the process, right, right. And like, cause I can't imagine he's going through his whole entire nation. Like, and people are looking at him like, what are you doing? Like, no, 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 this isn't what we do. And Matt's like, no, this is right. This is what we're doing. This is how we're going to serve the Lord. Get with it. Or I'm going to throw you off. I, I, I can't say he said this, but get with it. Or I'm going to throw you off the wall too. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like get, get with it or get yeah. out. Like this is the nation that we're in now. Yeah. I think the three important steps you see Manasseh take is a, he takes the idols and throws them out. 
Right. He casts outside his idols the out outside mm-hmm. the city. The only mistake he made is he didn't grind it in powder. You see that later in the Josiah account. But right. he threw him out. He got rid of him. That's what right. we should do in our heart. We should strive to take the idols out of our heart and get rid of it. Anything the, right. the Most High says is abominable that he doesn't like, do your best to get rid of it. Then he thanked him. He offers peace offerings and thank offerings. You know, the, it doesn't even say sin offerings. It was thank offerings. He's right. thanking him. He was rescued. So he's thanking him for rescuing him. Right. And then he seeks to turn other people to the most high too. Those are the three steps you see him take. Yep. And I think that's probably the three steps you'll see most people take if they've been rescued right. by God through Jesus. You'll see them go through that process of sanctification, casting out the idols, essentially what that is. And thank thankfulness, right? Like something that there's a phrase that I love. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, yeah. the, the deeper the pit you fall into that he pulls you out of, it seems like the more in love with the most high that person is. Yeah. The more in love with Jesus that person is, the, the, the further they fall, which I think is why he lets us fall so far sometimes. Because yeah. mm-hmm. it's, it's the only way he can teach us to how much we should love him, I guess right. is what I'm trying to say. Right. You guys have anything else? On that one? On that. I think, you know, I think we see, before we go to, to our, to close this out, I think you see a picture of the salvation plan in the person of Manasseh here. Yes. That's why I love this account so much. You see that salvation plan in a lot of accounts, but you see it in the extremes here. And I think we learned something from the extremes. So you see him sinning in a way that separates himself from the Most High, which all sin separates, but... These sins were, it just shows how far the separation can go. Right. Right. So, so we have an example of somebody who's as separated from the most high as you can possibly get. Right. Somebody who knew better and still chose to separate themselves like that. Then you see the, the, the template for how to correct that separation. Greatly humbling yourself and from a sincere heart pleading for forgiveness, throwing yourself upon the mercy of the most high. Then we see the most high's response to that. Right. And then we see the follow through, which is the part that we don't see preached a whole lot anymore because people don't like to hear that, that there is a follow through on the other side of that. And that yeah. follow through involves turning, actively turning away from the sin that separated you to begin with. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not going to be perfect. Right. That's, that's what grace is for. That's why he, that's why he is a merciful God. If he wasn't merciful, none of us could be saved. But there is an expectation that you at least strive and that follow through. And that's what you see Manasseh do. And the reason I love the Manasseh account is because as extreme as his sin was, that serves to highlight how extreme God's love and grace is. Because if he's willing to rescue somebody this evil, that's a love that's just incomprehensible. It's absolutely incomprehensible because Manasseh was unlovable. By every definition of the term, (laughs) Manasseh was completely unlovable. And the Most High not only loved him, but transformed him. Right. That you could turn somebody that was that evil to be this good on the other side of it. The things that you see Manasseh do in the latter half of his reign are the things you see the kings that the Most High called the most righteous that ever lived do. So he goes from being defined as the most wicked king Judah ever had to committing the acts that some of the most righteous kings Judah ever had did mm-hmm. on, the, on, the, on a dime. You know what I mean? And only, a, only, only God could do that. Right. You know, right. on our side of Calvary, only, only, only him through Jesus could do that. It's just, it's incredible. It gets me every time I read it, but that's awesome. Let's pull the needle off the record. What are your final thoughts? 
Well, I was going to speak to, sorry, I'm away from my mic. I was going to speak to Manasseh's son, um, Amen, mm-hmm. who took over a reign from him. And where we see, again, where he, again, did a 180 from his father, from his father had doing a 180. And he even said that he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And he, unlike his father Manasseh, he did not repent of it and increased in his guilt and was later conspired against and killed. And I, just not to interrupt you, I don't think there was anything in Amon's heart that ever would have led him to repentance. I no. think that's why you see the approach being so wildly different. You see you see so much patience from the Most High toward Manasseh right. and seemingly none at all for Amon. And I think right. that's because the Most High sees into the heart and he sees the possibilities. And I don't think there was any path that he could put Amon on that would ever lead to him. Right. And it, while, and, and this, again, to me is kind of like, this is my opinion. So I'll take this as fact. It says that then even after they assassinate him, they assassinated him in verse 25. It says, then the people of the land killed all who had plotted against King Ammon and then made Josiah his son and and king in his place. Mm -hmm. So it, it feels like to me, like the people are coming off the reign of Manasseh and they know what's right and they know what's good. They didn't really like what this king was doing, but also didn't like the fact that he was plotted against and murdered. So they rebelled against that. And it was like they, he was king and they needed to respect that, mm-hmm. that he was king right. because that's what God tells us to do. Yeah. Right. And, but even though he was doing wrong, they still avenged his death because I mean, if they killed the king, <laughs> yeah, ju- yeah, justice is justice right. served. Yeah, and that's that's where I feel like I feel justified in saying like, even though the king was doing these wrong things, the people still held on to their belief in God, and then therefore, in and then and then so then they put a rightful a righteous king in his place, right? And it, yeah, who a guy who turned into Josiah's story is amazing. It if is. any of you listening haven't read it, do it. Yeah, so that would be, yeah, that would be, you know, chapter 34. Um, good, another good, another good study for a different time. But I say that because if I feel like a lot of people are pushed into doing something based upon a religious figure or somebody that they respect doing it. When these people clearly knew what was wrong and rejected it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with rejecting a leader that would push you into doing something that is not biblical. That's my final thought. Yeah. Thanks. When a law is well, well, when okay. a law becomes unrighteous, it's righteous to disregard it. Okay. Yeah. Barring murder. I'm not saying go out and murder said, effect. you know what I mean? I think I knew what you meant. <laughs> okay. I was just saying, wait a minute. That sounded like uh-huh. I'm, a, I'm saying go out and murder that person. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> Final thought. It's okay to, yeah, to you said to, to reject, uh, even to reject something if it's not biblical, even if somebody who you think is biblical is telling you that. Yeah. 
before we move to you, Sonny, I just want to highlight to you just as something to chew on. Amon was 22 years old when he became king. And I'd have to do the math. I'm not sure if it gives us the math on that. I can't help but wonder if Amon wasn't alive before Manasseh repented. And we see we see him engage in the evil that he had learned in the early days of Manasseh mm-hmm. and chose that over and above the the restored Manasseh, right? Right. But Josiah was eight, which means that he was he was alive when Manasseh was still alive. Because Amon mm-hmm. only served two years before he was killed. Mm-hmm. Which means that Josiah probably would have remembered his grandfather Manasseh, but he only would have remembered the repentant Manasseh. Yeah. He only would have known Manasseh, the, the, the version of Manasseh that knew that the Most High was God, which by the way, I think that phrase points to the fact that Manasseh knew of Yahweh, but after Yahweh rescued him, he had a relationship with Yahweh. There's a difference between knowing and knowing. Right. And he knew on the other side, and the only version of Manasseh that Josiah knew was the Manasseh that knew Yahweh. And it seems like he took after that version of Manasseh, whereas Amon took after the old version of Manasseh. Right. Mm-hmm. Just as a as an interesting side note. Yeah. And I will say too, I think we talked about that last time because I was of the belief that like that um that Amon had only known again, like Josiah did, only known his father during the the reformed. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't you're right, it just gives you he was twelve years old. When he became king, he reigned for 55 years, so that would make him 67 when he died, Mm -hmm. and that he was only 22, but what it doesn't give you is the definitive date of how many years after being returned to Jerusalem that he reigned. Right. Yeah, there's no, yeah, there's no, so we can't definitively say he didn't know both. Yeah, I can't know for sure, but I can suspect. Right. And I suspect that Amon knew him before. Right. Or at least knew and was um, influenced by officials that knew Manasseh before. Mm-hmm. At the at the very least, somebody was influencing Haman, yeah. and it was somebody not good. You know what I mean? And like I say, and that that just testifies to what we talked about earlier: the importance of environment. Right. You know, Josiah was influenced by the environment of the repentant Manasseh, and look at the results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sin does have consequence. That's I guess that's my takeaway on that is that though Manasseh was forgiven and restored, there were still consequences. And the consequence was he lost his son. Yeah. So, sorry, go ahead, Sonny. Oh, no, you're good. Um, I mean, my takeaway, I, I can relate. I mean, I was in a, I was in a pit, you know, for a lot of years. And, you know, I, I did a lot of thing, bad things and a lot of horrible stuff. But, you know, this... Um, <clears throat> I mean, I never did nothing that bad, but (laughs) (laughs) I never murdered anybody or anything like that. But, uh, you know, to see the, the change, the change is what, what I take away from it because being that evil, being that just intense of a person yeah, and knowing that you despise and hate and murder and carnage and just everything and and god changing you the the relief that it gives me is knowing that it doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter who you think you are because at 
in all sense, Ed, I think it's about who you think you are. If you think that you're this bad person, if you think that you're this horrible person, that's what you're going to live. Yeah. That's what you're going to be in life. And this is probably what he thought he was. And, you know, all the influences and everything else that he's had. And I mean, that's who he thought he was supposed to be. And once, like you said, once God got him separated from all that, and once he got to the point to where all he had to do was listen, he changed his heart. He changed his mind. He changed everything about him. And then God just took him and complete 180 and that's the thing this is this is old testament this is back in the day where they still did sacrifices and yeah they mm -hmm. still did everything the old way i mean we have it a whole different world yeah all we got to do is say some words and and get baptized and <laughs> you know what i mean like we don't have to go out and sacrifice nothing yeah. you know i mean we don't have to do any of that stuff and you know, it gives me hope for, for people because seeing this gives me hope for myself, gives me hope for others because now it's like I could go into anywhere and be like, you'll never be too bad. Yeah. You'll never be too harmful. You'll never be too far away from grace. You know, I, I think it's, brings it into a different light. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've always been one of those people where it's like, Oh, the old Testament. I'm scared of the old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of fire and wrath in it. There is, you know what I mean? And, and this though, like it, I read it last night and then now like seeing it, you know, talking with you guys about it and I see it in a whole different light now. Yeah. I, I seen it a different way. And last night reading through it, I was just like, Oh my God. Oh, I'm so, I was, I was scared <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to try yeah. to talk about it and stuff. But, uh, this, it, it really gives me hope for, for myself and others. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For real. And I, uh, there's still some things that I, I have questions about actually, which we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, I, I enjoyed it, actually, um, especially with everything coming up and, you know, the whole thing that's the pagan holiday that's getting ready to come up. I've actually done my changing myself about it because I used to be the same way. I'd go get masks and, you know, celebrate. And yeah. Now it's like my heart's changed about it. Yeah. And, uh like you know, the desire is taken away. Like it's you just not, don't feel. It, it's not that it's like cringing or anything. It's like, you know, maybe I was led to believe all these things for a certain reason. And now all these things are changing for a reason. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, comes down to maybe a little bit more growth in, in the Bible, you know, the Bible, the, you know, getting a little closer to God and a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of insights. And, and now all these things are changing and it comes down to even the story that we're talking about, you know, he ended up changing in the blink of an eye. Me on the other hand, I, it took me some time and some beatings and, you yeah. know, 
I mean, I haven't ever got hooked, but (laughs) you know, I've, I've been slapped down sometimes and then I've looked up and then, you know, rebelled again and looked up again, rebelled again. And so, but that's Mm -hmm. the stories for a later date. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, my final thoughts. I think, I think what you're expressing is things that we've expressed here before is, you know, with you saying, opening up with saying that you don't keep the same people's company that you kept, you're picky and that your heart's changed on, you know, the holiday coming up. But it's, it's, it's God showing, you know, it's God showing you that you can't mix with me. It's either you got to clean this out of your life and you got to, you got to follow me. Right. You can't take what you used to have in your life and whitewash it and say it's mine. Mm-hmm. Right. You got to cut it off. You got to, and start fresh. Right. And it's weird because um, somebody that was in my life, uh, I ended up having to to put my foot down and I chose God over them. Um, they they were going to uh, card readings and, and stuff like that. And I was just like, listen. Like, this, like tarot card readings, yeah. like divination. Yeah. yeah. Mediums and spiritism. Yeah. And I, 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 it was at a weird point in my life. And like... I, I was starting to grow a little bit and I was starting to, to get involved in, in the Bible and different readings and spiritually and everything else. And, and, uh, I, I put my foot down. I was just like, listen, you cannot be in my life. If this is what you're going to choose, this is what you're going to do. And, uh, um, I, I'm thankful that they, they changed their mind that they changed what they thought and perceived and, and stuff like that. And it's kind of been a, a growth for them too. Good. So, um, awesome. It, it, I've always been scared of those things. I, I don't know if it's just that God's, you know, had his hand on me through a long time, but the tarot readings and, you know, the, the mediums and stuff like that stuff always worries me <laughs> yeah as it should that's yeah. honestly like i've always been the same way from yeah. a very young age the whole horror genre yeah never been for me carl knows i mean mm-hmm. z- side note zombies especially uh, they creep me out but the whole the whole thing is just like um it was it was always scary yeah. to me and a lot of people made fun of me for a lot of years and, and maybe like you said, it was God's hand on me at some point, but I, I totally identify with that, that while all my friends were, and I'm not putting you down, Carl. No, you're good. No. It just, well, you know, like I, cause I went to the, to the haunted houses with you and I was a little girl the whole entire time, <laughs> but I went, I went to that stuff with you, but it was just like, I'm like, once it was over, I'm like, Thank yeah. God, so uh, literally, mm-hmm. thank God it's over. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm on the other side of it now. I don't have to worry about it for twelve more months. But well, see, I like I used to go to all of them. I used to try to find the scariest one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I used yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Carl did too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We were we I, same I, page. I was actually even a part of one. Like I was actually one of the little people sitting on the ground and everything. Mm-hmm. Whenever right. I was young. And I was, I was young. I was probably eight, nine years old, you know, and I was a part of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not blameless either. I, I, while I didn't particularly enjoy dressing up, 
what I did enjoy was helping others even so much so that I would, there was one year, one of our roommates had to have his, had to have makeup for his costume. And I got up early, like five o'clock in the morning because he was wearing his costume to work or whatever and helped him and because it, because it was like full face painting. Right. So I helped him. I, I helped somebody i'm vanessa i help somebody else go and worship yeah you know and do worship the devil and do bad things right so i'm you know i'm not trying to say like oh i stuck around my hands totally clean of this (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah jesus didn't come to sanitize sin right he came to free us from it to 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 show us i like that yeah yeah, to sanitize it, he can't. Yeah, yeah. sorry, no, sorry, you're good. Sorry, I don't want to she get get uh-huh. too on a roll before I was like, man, I like that. Uh-huh. I'm, no, I'm not. That's, that's, that's a shirt down. idea right there, boy. <laughs> no, I didn't have like a, a big thing. I just want to share that he didn't come to sanitize it. He came to free us from it. Uh, you know, he's he's the picture of the salvation plan. You know, before Jesus, it was like looking through a filthy mirror. You could kind of see it, but not really. On the other side of Jesus, it's like we've taken Windex to it. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, there's, it's still a little splotchy, but we can see a clearer picture. When he comes back mm-hmm. again, the mirror gets removed or the window gets removed. I said mirror, window. You know what I mean? That's essentially where we're at. But the reason I mentioned that, and I'm glad you, you mentioned it too, about it being in the Old Testament. The reason I had highlighted that all of the sins that Manasseh committed were punishable by death in the law, that means that the Most High intentionally and willfully ignored his own law to rescue Manasseh. He set aside his own law, not the law. He didn't set the law aside. He set the consequences of the law aside. So the curse of the law is the consequence for for disobeying it. The Most High intentionally set that consequence aside in the name of love to pull Manasseh out of the pit. He expected Manasseh to walk that transformed life, right? right? But he still willingly set the consequence aside. And this is before Jesus. So that idea that grace didn't exist before Jesus was born. Yes, it did. Yes. Grace is intrinsic in the heart of the most high. If it wasn't, we never would have made it to Jesus being born. No, We wouldn't have gotten to that point. You know, it's mm-hmm. always been there. We have to respond. We have to entreat him. We have to humble ourselves. We have to walk the follow through, right? But he's there. He's a father. He's a good father. But, you know, kind of closing out on what you guys were talking about with the, you know, the things coming up, we can't claim to follow a righteous God while we're glorifying the things of an unrighteous enemy. And that's essentially what we're trying to do. We're mixing to the point where we're, 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 we're celebrating the things of the devil while carrying the name of Jesus, <laughs> you know, and you can't, you just can't do that. It, 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 it's a bad witness at the absolute bare minimum. It's a bad witness. My final thought though, I'm going to read something and I'm not going to, I'm not going to dive too much into the weeds on the scholarship of this, uh, throughout history, it's been in in and out of different biblical texts. Orthodox Christianity includes it. It's in the Apocrypha. It's in some some. Uh, it's in some versions of the Septuagint. Martin Luther included it in his Bible. Others others pull it from Scripture because it. We can't prove that it has an older original. Mm-hmm. Uh, most scholars believe it was written around the second or third century BC, but it could have been a copy from an older manuscript. It's the prayer of Manasseh, right. and it's purported to be his prayer that it, it mentions in the text in two chronicles that his prayer is recorded in the, the chronicles of the seers. This claims to be that prayer. Now, whether or not it is, I don't know. I can't, I'm not saying that this is absolutely, I, I'm, I'm 100% certain it is. At the absolute least, 
it gives us a good picture of what that heartfelt entreaty toward God in great humility would look like. So I'm just going to read that short prayer, and that'll be my final thoughts. And it says this, Lord Almighty, God of our ancestors, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of their righteous descendants, you created the universe and all the splendor that fills it. The sea obeys your command and never overflows its bounds. The power of your wonderful, glorious name keeps the ocean depths in their place. When you show your power, all creation trembles. Your glorious splendor is overwhelming, and your anger is more than sinners can endure. But the mercy you promise is also greater than we can understand or measure. For you are the Lord Most High. You are patient and show mercy and compassion. You make our punishment easier to bear when we suffer for our sins. O Lord, in your great goodness and mercy, you promise forgiveness and salvation to those who repent of their sin against you. You, Lord, are the God of righteous people. Repentance was not necessary for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for they did not sin against you. But for sinners like me, you have made repentance possible. I have committed more sins than there are grains of sand along the seashore. They are so many, Lord. They are so many. I have done so much that is wrong that I am not worthy to turn my face toward heaven. I am crushed beneath the weight of my sin. I am bowed down by its heavy iron chain. I can find no relief, for I have made you angry. I have set up idols everywhere. I have done what you hate. But now I bow in deep humility, praying for your mercy. I have sinned, Lord. I have sinned. I confess the wicked things I have done. I beg you, Lord. I earnestly pray, forgive me. Forgive me. Do not destroy me because of my sins. Do not stay angry with me forever or store up punishment for me. Do not condemn me to the world of the dead. For you, O Lord, forgive those who repent. Show me all your mercy and kindness and save me even though I do not deserve it. Then I will go on praising you as long as I live. All the heavenly powers sing your praises, and your glory endures forever. Amen. You want to do the outro, Chris? Okay. So you, will you botch the... I, I gave you a chance to do the... <laughs> to the mid so break part. <clears throat> what, what, you're just going to read it? Yeah. Do your own. I can't. I'll just do it off memory. <laughs> All right, here you go. So one on the bottom. All right. He's reading from a card. Dun, dun, dun. To all of you out there in podcast land. I like how you said that. That was good. We want to thank you so much for listening. We hope it's been a blessing. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can find us on Facebook or email us at brokenrecordministries at gmail.com. Again, this has been a publication of Broken Record Ministries. Broken Record Ministries. <laughs> and we will catch you on the flip side. God bless. Shalom. You got an outro phrase? Uh, no. Okay. You got to come up with some Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> You're gonna have well, it's like, it's like the two good ones are taken, right? God bless. Yeah, I'm going to have to think about that. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll catch up. We'll, we'll catch yeah, you we'll next time. We'll do that next time. <laughs>
Singing Gloria, amen. Singing Gloria.